International Volunteer Day is held each year on the 5th of December. It is viewed as a unique chance for volunteers and organizations to celebrate their efforts, to share their values, and to promote their work among their communities, non-governmental organizations, government authorities, and the private sector. International Volunteers Day is an opportunity for all of us to promote volunteerism, engage governments to support volunteer efforts, and to recognize volunteer contributions. Today, we take a moment to say thank you to volunteers and to celebrate their efforts despite all of the challenges at hand. The theme for 2020 is Together We Can Through Volunteering. Today, we have two thought leaders in the volunteering space, my co-host Karen Landy and for goods Andy Hatfield. Karen is a change maker with a passion for the youth, active citizenship and community building. Karen co-founded Community Hours in 2014 and conceptualized, operationalized and grew the platform from 752 learners to 10,000 learners in just six years. Karen is a graduate of the Gordon Institute of Business Science for Social Entrepreneurship Program. And second, we have Andy Hatfield, who's a digital native and loves building things on the internet. In 2015, alongside Garth Jaffet, he launched For Good, a social enterprise that connects people to causes and provides a product for business to engage employees using skills-based volunteering. The For Good platform engages over 25,000 employees. Welcome to my co-host Karen and to Andy. Right, I think let's, uh, let's start with Andy. And I started as a volunteer. So when I was at uh, university, I decided I need to get some experience in the field. And what I did was I volunteered for Childline. <laughs> Which is what most people do. Um, so it's, it's been such a fascinating journey um, on For Good for the last oh, almost six years since Garth and I relaunched it technically. Um, is just seeing how the culture of volunteering has grown and how much volunteering is just completely misunderstood a lot in the South African context. Um, so what are the opportunities? I mean, it's absolutely everything. Um, the way for good works, which I think will, will, will give us insight, is that essentially we've created a marketplace um, that matches needs to resources. Okay, So you've got 400 plus verified NGOs. Uh, they they load up their needs in real time. So on the ground, like what does that organization need? Wh where are the resource gaps? Uh, what skills are missing that they would otherwise have to pay for? Um, and then those are the opportunities that you respond to as a volunteer. Now, the bouquet of that is just, it's crazy. So it's everything from legal to accounting to tutoring to social media amplification to design, copywriting, translation. And then, of course, you know, your good old-fashioned handyman painting, handy woman as well. Um, you know, those, those kind of things. So it literally is everything. These causes are loading almost 100 needs a week. Uh, so there is a shopping list of note that you can come and have a look at in the skills-based volunteering base. And, of course, there's also donating goods and donating money as well. Great. And I think, Karen, coming to you, um, and I've been involved with the Community Hours program, is the idea that people volunteer in an altruistic way. In other words, these young people are coming forward because they're serving a community you at Community Hours were attempting to change that perception to say that volunteering does you good. Mm. It's not about you just doing good. Quite correct. So I think the whole thing with Community Hours specifically is that children have to do it. And so there was far more of a, a perhaps a stick approach than a carrot approach. And we've really worked hard to change that around. And once you start volunteering, you actually very quickly see just how the benefit is for you as a person. It gives you tremendous scope to go to 
places and meet people that you might never, ever, ever have met before. And our biggest thing is social cohesion. So for young South Africans to meet other young South Africans that perhaps are very, very different from themselves. So a picture in my mind, which I think encapsulates all of that, was actually at your gym, Luke, at Fight With Insight. And we had a stereotypical young private school girl, beautiful long blonde hair, big blue eyes. And then we had your incredible Stan the Man, who is a phenomenal boxer. And there you had this young woman and Stan, and they were boxing together. And he was the teacher and she was the student. Whereas so often young people come into space thinking that that they have agency and they're going to be teaching. And that for me will always be my perfect picture of social cohesion. And at the end of the lesson that he gave her, she said to him, so when is your next competition? I want to come and I want to support you. So we also found that friendships are formed. I love that story. There's a there's a great example of we, we do something like that in the corporate space. Um, so we call it the, the NPO business challenge. Okay? So now usually charities are begging corporates for money. That's kind of the power dynamic. Mm. Okay? So we reverse that dynamic, just like the power dynamic reversed in that relationship. And we get um, uh, teams, multidisciplinary teams inside a corporate to try and solve an organizational challenge uh, for the NPO. And so that, that's skills-based volunteering. Um, and then those corporate teams have to pitch to the MBO to, to, to the NPO to choose their idea. Okay? And just reversing that power dynamic is absolutely fascinating. I love that. I love that the power dynamic is changing. Yeah. You know, we spoke around at, at, for World AIDS Day around the change in power dynamics. And I think that is so important. For so long, nonprofit organizations have had the bigging ball out, begging, begging for young people, begging for um, corporates to come into their space. The minute we see that in that space, the, the nonprofit has the agency, I think we are building a far more respectful relationship and also one where a far better culture of volunteering, not I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, but rather is it uh, rather what can I do with you, not necessarily for you. And I know that's Luke's big thing. Not for, but with. Yeah. I mean, even the, the, the whole model of volunteering is tricky. Um, so typically volunteering happens between a citizen and an organization. And it's fairly direct and it's, you know, it's, it's uncommitted, it's, it's temporary, it's, it's a little, a little airy-fairy. Um, how do you build a sustainable business around that? You know, Community Hours and For Good are probably, you know, the only two organizations at any kind of scale that have managed to find a business model to promote volunteering. Because if it was a charity promoting volunteering, well, they've got beneficiaries to worry about. Um, and as you know, volunteers can be hard to manage sometimes, <laughs> especially when those power dynamics are wrong. Absolutely. And I think that is something that we need to talk about because there's, I mean, there was a call by one of our former presidents for a culture of volunteerism in the country. And we need to recognize that there are many kinds of volunteering. So in the space where I work in the NGO world, we'll have people saying, I want to volunteer. And generally, the people who come to us want to volunteer because they want to get experience in that particular field. So, for example, they want to get experience in psychology to do masters. They want to come so that they get something out of it. There's not a recognition that when you come there, you actually are being given an honor to be allowed access to the lives of other people, not something that is for your benefit. It's transactional. Yeah. And yeah. one of the big one of the big things we struggle with is that once they have their needs met or do not have their needs met, 
they parachute out. So they parachute in, they do, and then they parachute out, which makes us extremely reluctant to take volunteers. In fact, at this point, I take no more psychology students because they don't manage in the environment that we work in. So how do we better orientate volunteers to make them people that actually contribute while learning? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the million dollar question. We see exactly the same kind of behavior. Um, we came across this Stats SA survey from 2018, which was fascinating. Uh, it said in South Africa, there are about 4 million volunteers, but the vast majority of those were direct volunteers, not through organizations. And I suspect, I mean, they weren't very clear with their definitions, but I suspect direct volunteering includes just community involvement. So, you know, you live in a rural village, uh, you help you help the gogo out looking after ten kids while their parents are working, and and that would be classed as as volunteering. But there were a couple of interesting things, and the one was the vast majority of those four million volunteers expected something in return: cash, food, skills, etc. And I think the, the I think it's just a it's a matter of time and allowing the volunteering industry to mature and almost. South Africanizing it. So we've had a theory for good for ages around like why has volunteering not just gone through the roof? I mean, community hours does some pretty impressive numbers if you look at their total number of hours volunteered, but the kids are incentivized. Okay. In the corporate volunteering space, in the public volunteering space, there isn't really any incentive. You know, volunteer leave if you work for a company, that's a bit of an incentive, and that's starting to grow. Uh, Capitec recently um, made three days available uh, to their volunteers, um, three leave days, and that's pretty impressive. Um, but so why hasn't it scaled quickly? And our theory, and I, I suppose this is around South Africanizing it, is that we're actually a very generous nation already. In fact, we probably have generosity fatigue when you look at the things that are competing for our giving attention. So think about extended family giving, okay, black tax, extended community giving, stockfells, faith-based giving, so tithing at churches, the huge practice across South Africa, um, socioeconomic ladder giving that's that's a very fancy word for if you're privileged enough for instance to have a domestic or or a gardener often your first channel of giving is through your employees okay and then even it sounds politically incorrect but traffic light giving you know there is an opportunity to give at many 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 traffic lights so with all of this stuff competing for our giving attention volunteering in some ways is at the bottom of that list because uh, there's a fatigue and i think that contributes to this the slight immaturity in, in how people approach volunteering. And there also seems to be this, this volunteering tourism that happens. Mm. So, I mean, there was a very interesting thing in how you kind of present people that you go and visit. It's a big thing I do when we orientate the um, community. I was volunteers. You can take a tour group into, for example, Lunga in the Cape, and everyone's taking photos of of them in a township and running around eating and jawling and whatever. You put a group of people who are photographers in Camps Bay taking photos of the houses in Camps Bay, they arrest them. So there, there's a level at which there, there's also in the current social media world, there's almost a morbid voyeurism that can become associated with some of it. So how do you orientate your volunteers to not be part of the problem, which is just reinforcing stereotypes and morbid voyeurism while you post as you perform. It's training and communication and engaging. And then a portion of those volunteers get highly offended when they have to do a criminal check. 
And so, you know, I don't get too worked up about this because I, I think it's an industry that just needs time to mature. But it's moments like that. You know, if you, you go say, oh, no, but, you know, I'm giving of my time and I'm going to play with these babies. And now you have to go through a criminal check. It's a bit of a wake up call. And you're going to tell other people you're going to learn a bit more about the industry. And slowly, slowly, it'll it'll grow up. I agree with Andy. And I think the whole thing is the learning. So it's are you open to learning or are you not open to learning? So through this journey, I've learned a tremendous amount. So as Andy has said, through the criminal checks. Why is it important to have criminal checks? And hopefully then, say for example, you're a parent and you're going to a baby's home to volunteer, that you then go back to your own child's environment and say, well, they're people working with, with my child. Have they had criminal checks? So I think we often talk about mm-hmm. the unintended consequences of volunteering. For me, that's a big one. Another big one is never, ever taking photographs with those babies. But it's about explaining the why. You cannot yeah. take photographs with these babies because they're in a, sa- a, a place of safety. Um, so by exposing the child's face, you potentially are showing the perpetrators of people who've done terrible things to that child where that child is. So I think that's very, very important is understanding the why and the unintended consequences of learning. So volunteering is really around learning. I've learned all the time. And he also referred earlier to is helping the Gorgor next door volunteering. He spoke more about that being transactional, though. So what am I going to get in return? I went to a school once and um, where it's a, a very, very uh, affluent school. A lot of the children, or actually all of the children, um, are scholarship learners at that school. And here I had this fantastic idea of what volunteering was. And two of the girls put up their hands. And the question asked was, if I go to the Gorgor next door and I help to bath her and feed her and very much in terms of what Ubuntu is, is that volunteering? And I remember saying to her, there is no greater example of volunteering. Talking about the learning, other sort of experiences, and I keep sort of using anecdotes, but that's what's helped me learn in this space, is what specifically children learn. So we take for granted that all children are exposed to animals, for example, but some children may Mm. never ever be exposed to animals. And I think this is where Andy and I are gonna meet again in 10 or 15 years and look at the impact on volunteering. So a young person went to volunteer at the SPCA and their comment was, I had no idea the responsibility of looking after a pet, what it takes to look after a pet, because I've never, ever had a pet. And I really hope that people will rather look to shelters rather than buying a puppy. And we know so often um, behaviors are driven by children. So at Christmas time, oh, I want a puppy. A puppy is what I want. So what is going to happen in 10 or 15 years when our children have been exposed to working in animal shelters and seen just what it's like for children or for animals to be to be abandoned? Um, I, I, I'm very interested 15 years from now to track that behavior. And, and as we keep saying, it is all about behavior. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, true impact takes generations often to to manifest. Um, so I think the work that we're doing now, you know, community housing for good started to scale at roughly the same time. So we've both been at it for you know about five, six years. Um, so yeah, and in 15 years, it'll be interesting. I'm also glad we've moved on to this, you know, volunteering certainly has tons of challenges and it's a, it's, it's a small new industry, but some of the impact like we can already see is just astonishing. I mean, there was such a surge of giving during lockdown recently. And we do a lot of work to kind of measure and try and try and control the quality of interactions on on the For Good platform, um, with a lot of communication with users and and surveying and and rating systems and all of that kind of good stuff. And the quality of volunteering shot up as well. 
um, which has been amazing to see. A couple of examples. So Kalisa Social Services is a cause on For Good. They actually added to their annual report that they measured the contributions of For Good's public and corporate volunteers at just under 300,000 rands worth of skills-based hours. That's one organization. Pakamani is a, a, a youth organization. They've worked with about six of our corporates to um, link them to grade 12 um, mentorship opportunities. Okay? Vodacom was linking employees on their For Good, For Good platform to rural learners in the schools that they sponsor, supplying them with data, and then setting up a WhatsApp-based maths mentoring relationship. I mean, that kind of stuff is just, it's, it's amazing. And it's not, it's not happening at scale yet, but you can see the, you can see the propensity for it. It's, it's starting to bubble. That's what excites me. And I think if we can, working with For Good and Community Hours together, just seeing how um, by the youth volunteering, there's such interesting statistics around 75% the American statistics, because obviously it's fairly new in South Africa, but 75% of teenagers that volunteer will go on to be active citizens in their adult life. So they'll continue to give back. They'll continue to engage. And for me, that's very exciting because like um, Andy said earlier, it is generational. So we, we really are seeing a shift in terms of the impact that that volunteering has. And I think the, the one thing that I would like to also kind of raise, and it's, it, it's really, I, I suppose, for the volunteers listening, it's just a, it's, it's a challenge to your thinking. So we, we go back to the example of the babies where, you know, don't take photos of babies. A lot of the baby homes you go to don't want you to pick their babies up. They don't want you to play with their babies because, first of all, you're putting them out of their routine. You come when it suits you. The babies have sleep time. They have attachment issues if everybody's handling them and they develop all kinds of issues. And the question you have to ask is whose need are you meeting? Is it yours? Is it your need for some kind of caring because of your own past and woundedness and whatever? Or is it something that is there for those people that you are attempting to serve in some way in a true kind of servitude leadership kind of way rather than a way that is meeting your own needs but often unconsciously so how do you challenge people's motivations and make them aware there's nothing wrong with you doing things for your own for your own good because i want to feel good about what i do which means i'll carry on doing it but there needs to be an awareness of that because that unconscious kind of um lack of consideration for things like child development when you want to play with babies creates huge issues for those children you're actually doing harm not good yeah i mean that exact i learned that the hard way as, as many lessons in, in this business because if you're doing you know let's say you're a you're a mid to senior business analyst or manager inside a corporate and you you're building a a vision mission and strategic powerpoint deck Okay, for a for an organisation, for a, for a for a non-profit, um, that's a huge piece of value for the organisation. Um, it's value for you because you're practicing skills and and you're you know you're you're, you're getting out there and doing things. Um, you're not dealing with beneficiaries, which is kind of this level two, and it's where the complexities start to arrive. And it allows you to start building up a relationship with the organisation. You know, you get to know more about them, about about their motivations. And then I think their motivations will shape your motivations. I think it's about being honest with yourself, Luke. So, um, and, and I suppose that's got a lot to do with EQ. So maybe saying, what kind of a volunteer are you? Are you looking to volunteer once a year? Maybe, as we spoke earlier, pack a Santa shoebox. That is fantastic. And that's exactly 
what you should do if that's where you want to volunteer once a year. We then get other people who want to be regular volunteers, who are happy to make a commitment. And I think that's where the, the, the baby example comes in that we've used so often. If and, and I think the baby homes are skilled enough to recognize and identify those volunteers who are happy to make a commitment. And they'll often say, we want a six-month commitment or an eight-month commitment. Mm-hmm. We saw during COVID, and this is something that Tusanani, which um, provides occupational therapy to, to babies in children's homes, um, told me, is how much the committed volunteer was missed during the COVID period. They couldn't go into the baby homes because they put themselves at risk and they put the health workers at risk. What they have seen tragically over the COVID period is just how those babies have missed that cuddling because the volunteer's only job is to cuddle babies. Mm. And um, the the, the healthcare workers, the social workers, um, the OTs, they have got a very specific job. And so, so many of those children have just um, not had that incredible cuddle experience. So my challenge to all baby cuddlers out there, the committed ones, the ones who prepared to, 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 to follow the protocols by the baby homes, is, is please put up your hand and go back and cuddle those babies because they really need that. But it has to be a commitment. But it does raise that, that interesting thing of um, baby cuddlers is great, um, of digital volunteering, so virtual volunteering. And, and that's something we saw kind of come to the fore, I suppose, because we were forced to. Um, so here's a great example of, of something that went down really, really well. And it's just how adaptable humans are. Um, we ran a series across a couple of our, our corporates of um, Zoom reading sessions for kids. So you get a, a group of employees. Um, and again, this is also, this is like the, the gateway drug into volunteering. It's little experiences like this that teach you a bit more about the, the culture and help you shape your motivations. So you get a group of employees, let's say, you know, five to ten employees. Each employee gets a chapter of a book. Everyone hops on Zoom. Um, the NPO organizes a bunch of uh, young kids, uh, their beneficiaries, on one Zoom call. It's easier to handle the technology when it's only one. We've got these beautiful pictures, internal only, obviously, of these you know, 10 kids crowded into one laptop screen. <laughs> and then each employee reads a chapter, and then there's kind of a 20-minute dialogue with the kids. Um, and you just have this, this wonderful, short, encapsulated experience where the kids get a story read to them. They get to talk to people that they, they ordinarily wouldn't. Um, and we've done even similar things with uh, career days, so virtual career days where grade 12 beneficiaries of development programs and youth programs get to sit there and, and speak to a, you know, a, a business analyst inside Teleshow is one of our clients. Like, what do you do? What is this job? Should I be thinking about this? What, what university degree do I need to do to do what you do? And that stuff becomes possible um, in the digital space as well, which is quite fun. I love the reading. I absolutely love the reading. And it had tremendous uptake because you could also just record yourself on your cell phone and and send it to various organizations which then you have these almost audiobooks which is is fantastic so luke in closing what are your closing comments do what you're currently good at i think the the big thing about volunteering for me is when volunteers come to me and they say what can i do for you i say i have no idea uh what can you do and the important thing is that all ngos are businesses and they need all the skills required by all businesses. If you are someone who likes to be behind a computer, rather stay there and then reserve your interaction with us for 
days where we have, for example, Christmas parties where you can come and you can be a guest and participate. Everybody can participate in volunteerism with, they, with what they are currently good at. You don't need to learn a new, a new skill set. We're more likely to retain you if it's what you are currently good at, and you are more likely to feel purposeful in your giving if it is something you're already good at. Andy? Yeah, just get started. You know, forgood.co.za, go find something. There are 2,000 different ways to get involved. Pick something small, pick something cool, work your way up. It's, it's such a unique experience. Just give it a go. Now, my challenge is to families. So we get to spend so little time with our children. They always have to go somewhere. So children at, at independent schools, you have to volunteer. So why don't you make it a family occasion? Take mom, take dad, take brother, take sister, and and, and enjoy that. It's all about the examples that we set. So go out and volunteer together and, and really enjoy it, but also get out of your comfort zone. So in as much as do what you're good at, also, perhaps try and do something that, that maybe you're not so good at. You might actually like it. And I think we really must reframe the, reframe the idea of a volunteer. You are getting something from it. So everybody you meet is teaching you something, and you in turn are imparting something. So tread carefully. You walk on holy ground when you enter people's lives. So in concluding Volunteerism Day... We want to thank you for tuning in and we would like you to tune in again as we are in the 16 days of activism to our final podcast for the 16 days which will be on the 10th of December where we will be including with Lenina Rasul, an absolutely dynamic woman who is out of Cape Town, who is one of the great voices in the GBB space. Tune in then. Please subscribe to all the media channels and we look forward to our next discussion.